Welcome to Leadership Stuff. This podcast is a production of Life Connection Ministry International. I'm your host, Bishop Tim Daly, president and co-founder. We've dedicated this podcast to pastors, ministers, and spiritual leaders who are actively involved in ministry. It is our prayer that this podcast will bring encouragement, insight, and spiritual support to those who are serving on the front lines of ministry. We will try to accomplish this through practical teaching, interview with leaders who are impacting their communities, and heart-to-heart talks about issues that are affecting the church today. Don't forget to check out our website on a regular basis. It is www.lcminetwork.com. Here you will find out about upcoming events, important announcements, video teachings, available books and material, and information about our fellowship of churches. Now today I'm excited to have a special friend with me, and you may hear some background noise because I'm in a a really cool location, one of my favorite spots in California, and I'm going to interview Mornay Van Staden. He is a brother in the Lord, and he is a respected community leader, and he's the founder and owner of Journey Coffee. He has coffee shops in Vacaville and Fairfield, California, and uh, I'm just anxious for you to meet him and hear what he has to share with us today. So I've enjoyed the opportunity to get to know Mornay and get to know his story, Mornay is originally from South Africa, and he immigrated to the USA where he met his beautiful wife. Now, if you hear a little interesting accent for all of you from South Africa, you're going to love this. And for the rest of you, you'll know where he's from. So, uh, Mornay, we are so happy to have you here, and I know you're so busy, uh, but you took this time to be with us and to encourage our leadership. I just want to say thank you. So let's get going today as I introduce you to Mornay. So Mornay, introduce your family to us. Hey everybody, how's it going? Uh, Tim, what a privilege to be with you and uh, love getting to spend some time with you and uh, everybody welcome. Uh, Really excited to have you guys in our cafe today. Um, So I am uh, 37, I just turned 37 last week, getting older and have a wonderful wife that's five years younger than me, Nicole. Ooh, you and, robbed the cradle. Uh, you know, I did good. I did great. <laughs> you know, we had kids later on, so I knew I needed a younger wife to help me keep up with them. There you go. <laughs> so um, we uh, have been married for almost eight years, and it's been absolutely amazing. Uh, she's the perfect match for me. She's my better half for sure. I really complement each other in life in every way. I have three amazing little boys. I've got a four-year-old, Luke and Josh, who's three, and Eli, who's just over a year old, crawling and climbing and walking and getting into absolutely everything. That's that great stage. Yeah. <laughs> great on the wife, especially, running around and keeping up. I'm just glad we're on a coffee shop. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, Mornay, could you give us a little background on your life and how you came into a relationship with Jesus Christ? Yeah, I've uh, been very blessed. I grew up in a, in a Christian home, um, but was one of those kids that just tried to avoid going to church uh, every time my parents went. And eventually one day there was a young girl in our youth, in our uh, 
high school that used to go to youth, and she was like, hey, come on over to our, to our youth. And, you know, as a young 15-year-old, you wouldn't say no to uh, a young girl inviting you to anywhere. So I was like, yeah, let's go check it out. We'll, we'll, we'll go. And I ended up going to youth. And um, I just remember the first uh, experience I had at the youth. I uh, looked around, and, and there was just such a real uh, realness of all these kids um, that were experiencing something. And that just drew me to more and more uh, uh, wanting to know more about what, what this Jesus really was versus just going to church on a Sunday. And uh, that same year, I went to a youth camp, and, and the Holy Spirit just really uh, knocked me over. And uh, since that day, I, I just was a different person. Um, it's been an incredible experience, actually. You know, I, my life totally got transformed from just being an average Joe yeah. uh, to being someone who, who bears the image of Jesus Christ. And uh, just amazing that um, that moment I'll never forget. And, and since that day, God has been gracious to just keep me on, on the straight and narrow. And I've had ups and downs and, um, you know, had a lot of uh, moments that have been harder. But it's been a joy serving Jesus since the age of 15. So what brought you to the USA originally from South Africa? So I actually came here when I was 18 uh, to a church conference. And I remember God told me, Monet, you're going to come back here. And this is going to be your home. And as a South African uh, young lad who didn't have any degree or experience, it was an impossible task really to to even think about coming here. But I just remember that word. And... uh, a couple years later, about three years after that, I got an opportunity randomly to come and teach tennis at a, at a summer camp. And I was like, man, this is an, an opportunity from God. And ended up coming for the summer um, and then came back the following summer. And when I came back the following summer, uh, someone had approached me to have a full-time career here as a tennis uh, director at a country club. Mm. And when that happened, that was in Connecticut. Uh, and my word that I, I had from God was that I was going to come to California, but I thought, you know what, Connecticut's a lot closer uh, to California than, um, than South Africa. Yeah. So, and then seven years later, God created an opportunity for us to move to California. And uh, here we are in sunny California. Yes, and we're glad you came, that's for sure. So at one point, you served in uh, a local church in a full-time ministry position. And what was your responsibility, and how long did you serve in that particular capacity? So God's really moved me, um, obviously, state to country to state and states to states. Um, so the, the, the church I grew up in, I really was involved with preaching at the church, uh, really involved with youth leading and the, and the core group of growing the youth. Um, I was on the worship team there as well, playing the drums. Uh, then at that church, I was an intern for a year, and I was the only intern uh, and it's such a privilege to just work alongside our, our senior pastor and um, his wife. I uh, really got one-on-one time to just see what it was like to be a pastor at a smaller church and studied theology there while I was with them. I uh, then moved to Connecticut and was involved with the worship team, led worship for about three years and um, was involved with the young adults and, and led the young adults group there for, for three years. Um, really involved with one of their contemporary services that started. I was in the, the leadership team to help them grow that. Um, all of that was part-time, though, because and I was on a visa working as a tennis pro. Mm. Uh, then we moved to California. God opened up a door to work at an incredible church, uh, the Father's House. Uh, really, it was a dream job for me, uh, working as a guest service uh, 
leader uh, over the three campuses and just making people feel welcomed and loved and uh, worked there for, uh, for three years in just an incredible time of learning and growing from amazing leaders. Um, and then just started going to Valley about a year ago and, and God's just been uh, gracious by plugging me into a couple of ministries there. And I think the most exciting one for me is we just opened up a Valley Cafe and uh, helping create community out front of the church. Uh, and I, I love it. It's pretty cool. Wow, I really appreciate that. It, it's, it's interesting how God has prepared you through all of these experiences to put you right where you are right now. I mean, if I think about what you're doing now, what you did in your last church situation, mm. it's almost, yeah. I, I mean, it's crazy. It's yeah. so close. Yep. And how that... Uh, these have been um, part of your journey. Uh, we also believe that uh, ministry is not about vocation mm -hmm. in the sense that it's good. That, that's where I have to get my pay. Yeah. Most of the guys that I serve with out in Kuwait and around the world are bivocational, these pastors. Mm -hmm. they're, they're serving full-time jobs because of the nature of their church situations, mm -hmm. and they are serving full-time the, the local church and honestly Monet I, I see that in you you serve here mm. in your community through this shop and yet you're also very actively involved in your local church your gift to the church and I really appreciate that well it's, it's such an incredible opportunity really to be able to mesh those two together it is you know when you're working full-time at a church you know the majority of your time is spent with believers that's, and that's right at church and it's been such a privilege to tie these two things together now it's true because so often as pastors, and I'm speaking from one who's done this now for 40-some years, um, we lose touch mm -hmm. a lot of times with people outside of the church because, like you said, we get so busy ministering to the saints mm -hmm. and uh, we lose effectiveness in reaching the lost because we, we don't even interact with them well. So we need to be closely connected to people like yourself. And you need to be pouring into our lives as well and and the, the body of Christ through the ministries that God's given you. So I, I, I'm a believer in what you're doing, bro. Now, early on your spiritual journey, did someone disciple you in your walk with the Lord? Um, and if so, how'd that affect your spiritual growth? I was really blessed uh, when I got saved at 15. Uh, we had a youth leader who, he was just the real deal. I mean, he gave up his life for me and, and some of the other core youth who, um, you know, he was knocking on my door uh, in the middle of a weekday. Hey, what are you up to? Um, wow. And we, we'd just hang out. We'd go to the movies. Uh, we went to, to fast food restaurants. And it, it wasn't always a group setting. It sometimes yep, right. was just intentional time with just me and he made sure the first couple of months and years when I was you know wanting to sleep in he would be the guy calling me and say hey man it's 9 30 where are you <laughs> and uh, eventually I just started being at church early because I didn't want to get a phone call waking me up um, so he just invested and taught me you know just really what it, what it meant to be a, a Christ follower he wasn't a fluff and and just said hey good job and a pat on the back he challenged me about things in my life and how I'm leading and how I'm serving and, and just the day-to-day -day things that I do in life and uh, just portrayed a real true model of discipleship that I've seen in the Bible with Jesus. 
Um, I also had uh, the church we went to had an apostolic team and sat under a lot of their teaching. And, you know, for those of you who are out there who, who preach and do podcasts and all these kind of things, uh, the effect that, that, that apostolic leaders and, and people who do these podcasts, we listen to Craig Rochelle all the time. And, uh, you know, these are apostolic leaders that I sat under their teaching at our church. They came to our church to visit. I went to church conferences. Uh, that was a huge um, thing that affected my life to, to realize that I, I'm not just meant to get saved and that God has a bigger calling on my life and a, and a higher expectation on my life than anybody else. And, and God's grace is there, and he, he doesn't judge me if I don't get there. But because of Jesus and we, because we are image bearers yes. of Jesus, yes. there's just such a higher calling on our life than just to go to church and be saved. And so these apostolic leaders just really, uh, their teaching was just solid in how we need to live a godly life and a life that's honoring uh, to God. And um, so they affected uh, my growth as a leader tremendously, sitting under all these apostolic leaders. Um, and then I would say the other biggest people who really affected my life was friends. Yeah. And, you know, I think sometimes we take for granted the effect that our friendships have. Um, you know, my friends were always the ones encouraging me to dream and encouraging me when I failed. Um, you know, there, there was times that my church leaders kind of were angry with me if I failed. And my friends were never those guys. My friends were the guys right. who showed grace um, beyond the things that I didn't do right or the, the expectations I might have not met as a Christian. So my friendships were um, just incredible, crucial in my growth uh, and my Christian walk, especially as a youth. Um, you know, it was a huge impact having the right friends. And yes. You know, we, we believe that discipleship is not about a classroom. Mm. It's life-on-life relationships yeah. and intentional. We talk about intentional discipleship in our organization, how valuable and how important it is, and how important it is to have a, a Paul in your life, a Barnabas in your mm. life, and a Timothy. One that's pouring into you, one that's your uh, co-labor partner, and then one that is a, a Timothy that you're pouring into and you have to avail yourself of those. Uh, obviously, you did. You took advantage of those. You learned from those. You've grown from those. And I appreciate that. Because to us, uh, if we're going to succeed, if we're going to go forward in Christ and grow, we really need that. Uh, we can get lost in church. Yeah. But when we are in these kind of relationships, they really strengthen us, hold us accountable, encourage us. Yeah. Sometimes spank us a little bit, but <laughs> when we know someone loves us mm-hmm. and is with us no matter what, we can take that. Yeah. So uh, I'm excited to hear how you were nurtured. Uh, unfortunately, in a lot of churches today, discipleship is kind of falling by the wayside, and people are attending, yeah. but they're not being nurtured mm-hmm. through uh, mentoring relationships. So thank God for your good start. You had somebody that I was really, very blessed. Yeah, you were. Really, you really sure blessed. were. Is there one person in particular that uh, has really helped you with your walk in the Lord, and, and in what way would it have been that youth pastor or yeah, someone I else? I definitely think you know my youth pastor um, was was the pivotal point in, yeah. in in my growth and discipling me. That's good. 
Thank God for godly youth pastors. I had the same yeah. influence as a young man. Okay, now I am interested in uh, the business now. I you want a cup of coffee? Yeah, I'm uh, just about. Uh, um, what got you interested in the coffee business of all places? And uh, another part of that is you're known as a specialty third wave coffee. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? So you're not just yeah. coffee; you're something else. Yep. <laughs> I mean, for us, uh, we moved to California, long story short, but we moved to California really um, for an aviation career. Wow. And three months after we moved here, that aviation career had ended. Um, and we bought a house and we were settled and we were like, God, you told us to come here and um, I don't have a job now. What, what's up with that? And we looked at it and said, God, you have a purpose and you have a plan. Yes. And so in that time, we didn't panic. We didn't. We just knew and, and, and believed in that truth that, God, you have a plan. Mm-hmm. And I said, now is a good time to reveal that plan to us because <laughs> I don't have a job. Yeah. And so just after a lot of praying, God kept stirring on our hearts to build community in Vacaville and to have a place for lonely people to come. And, you know, I'm from another country, so I know what it feels like to be alone. You, know, oh, when you, you do. When you arrive at a a new country and you don't know anybody and you don't have anything, um, for anybody to just say hello to you is a, is a big deal. Yeah. Um, so we wanted to create that space and community. Uh, we didn't know what that looked like and after a lot of praying and a lot of uh, asking God for more revelation, it came in the form and the vehicle of a coffee shop. And so the, the third wave specialty coffee shop is this new wave of coffee that's uh, really concerned about where the coffee's coming from, mm-hmm. you know, making sure that the farmers are really treated really uh, fairly and um, they're not being abused with, with lo- not paying them affordable wages. Um, and then also how the coffee is brewed and roasted um, as well as presented. Um, and then there's also a culture in a lot of these stores that make it feel uh, like a specialty coffee shop. And there's a specialty coffee association that actually has a scoring system that um, coffee gets graded, uh, and if it's not above a certain amount of points, then it won't be considered specialty coffee. So we didn't just want to be a corny Christian coffee shop for community. We wanted to be relevant to our community, and for us to be able to do that, we, we realized we had to follow these trends of coffee that is sweeping across a, the whole America and the whole globe, really. Yeah. Um, and so God has really blessed us and allowed us to be able to do this with no experience at all. And somehow it's working. And, and God has blessed us with uh, knowledge that is supernatural because we, we started roasting coffee two years ago. And I would say the coffee very proudly compares to a lot of the great coffees that are, are uh, roasted here in California. So um, how did you learn roasting a lot of research on YouTube. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we, we're very blessed. There's a guy, Scott Rowe, um, probably one of the world's uh, most renowned coffee geniuses in, in the world. I mean, he travels all over the world. And just before he became really, really famous, um, we managed to get in uh, some sessions with him. And he taught us how to roast. And there's, there's rules in roasting and, and rules in how to do these things that guide you in the right place. It's not necessarily black and white where you turn it on at two minutes and turn it off yeah, at four minutes. Yeah, or, right. um, but the, the rules and the, th- the theory that he has is through years and years of studying that he's done. 
and we ended up getting you know one-on-one -on -one mentorship with him and so that was our a real key blessing to be able to get going with that roasting really quickly I've been here when you were roasting here in the store and uh, it looks like a control center I mean you got a computer you've got the uh, the big screen you've got the roaster there and you have to watch a lot of stuff I mean you have to know what you're doing you're yeah. right it doesn't accidentally happen or no. turn a button on turn it off after like cookies I wish yeah <laughs> <laughs> Even cookies, our baker would say, is not easy to turn on. Oh, well, uh, that's probably true, yeah, for but, sure. But, you know, the roasting process has also just revealed to me, again, how, how diverse our God is. Yeah. You know, we see every person has its own personality, and each person has a, a way of reacting to situations and how they live and... Um, with coffee roasting, every bean, even if it's from the same farm, the next year that bean is different. It's not going to be the same bean than it, that it was the year before. It'll be similar, but it's just like us. When we, when we grow and we change, you know, we hopefully change for the good. Um, but good every word. bean is just such a unique flavor. And depending on how much time and effort I spend on developing that bean, that's going to show the, the fruit of how that bean's gonna taste in the cup for our, our people that taste that coffee. Wow. And the same for even, we were talking about discipleship earlier, the more time we get to spend yeah. really finding what is it that makes Tim tick? What is the gifts that God has given him? What is the gifts that Monet's given him? And it doesn't help trying to make me a preacher or something that maybe I'm not when I'm really meant to be a business owner. Mm, boy, that's good. And. I can't do the same. I can do the same thing with coffee. I can't have a coffee that's supposed to taste like chocolate. <laughs> Tastes like a lollipop. Um, so it's just been a really great process for me, the, the roasting, to just see how diverse all these coffees are and how much time and effort and value needs to be put into developing these coffees. It's been really fun. It's yeah. been a fun process. Wow. So how is coffee culture uh, impacting our society today? That's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, I go to these coffee expos every year, and, uh, you know, there's 20,000 people there at a time from all over the world, all over the globe, all over the states, um, all get, getting together for this one thing, coffee. And not that every year is much different, but people keep coming because they just want to be in that community. Yeah. So um, I was mentioning earlier today when I was chatting with you that specialty coffee has grown 25% in the last um, five years. Uh, they say in the next two years that's going to grow 75%. That's amazing. So that means more people in our community are going to start being accustomed to this, this new wave and taste and experience and value of coffee um, in the next two years than um, in the last five years. So saying that, coffee is just the second biggest commodity it's something that people drink every day. Yep. It's something that's so relevant to every single person in the world. Yeah. And, and you know, we had a lady in the other day who interviewed us about what does it mean for you to have tourists come in here? What do you want them to, to leave with? Yeah. And I said, you know, I want them to walk in here and feel like this is home. Mm. And most, it does, by the way, folks. <laughs> most coffee shop, we just went on vacation. When we walk into a shop, Yeah. I can feel the culture of specialty coffee yeah. and third wave coffee. I can just feel it. I can look at the machines and I can see it and I, I can smell the coffee and I can look at the beans and I, I just feel at home by 
all the things that now are considered third wave and specialty coffee. Yeah. And there's so many people now that first thing they do when they go on vacation or on a trip, they put up their Yelp and they go coffee, or third wave coffee. And when you find it, it's an oasis. And so it's such a relevant thing for our community that we get to do. We get to make people feel like they're relevant, they're at home. Um, the other thing is most of our customers come in every day. I don't know how they afford that, and I'm grateful for that, and I pray God blesses them for that. But a lot of them, I think, come because we have a lot of lo lonely moms. True. We have a lot of single moms. True. And we might be the only person that that single mom gets any kind of encouragement from. I can see the smiles on some of those moms' faces that they came here just to try and get that smile. Yep. They didn't come here for the caffeine. If you have kids, you need it anyway. But, you know, I'm sure that, you know, they had some at home on their way here. But yeah. it's such an opportunity for us to, to have a home and a place to love on people, to care for people. Um, it's beautiful to even just see that the modern day cheers almost, you know, where people walk in and they know each other now because they sure. see each other in the line all, all day long. And we introduce them to each other. And, yeah. um, you know, the, the other relevance is it's... We've seen it as the modern day well. You know, when we first opened this, God gave us a picture that this is the modern day well, where God creates moments for people to, to connect and moments of supernatural intervention. Yeah. Where I get a moment with someone that I maybe wouldn't have at a church. And we've seen moments where we've stopped a line with 15 people to pray for a lady that just told us her husband died last night. Mm. And we've had ladies who have come in and, and said, hey, you know, I don't believe in God, but I know you guys do. My sister's got cancer. Can you pray for her? Mm -hmm. So we see non-believers coming to the shop as well because they know that we're believers and have asked us to pray for these, these things in their life that they don't know what to do. So yes. it's an incredible opportunity we have to be this modern day well where people come, fill up with caffeine, and then feel loved leaving. Uh, this is really a privilege. Well, think about this. At our services all around the world, after every service, before every service, there is a pot of coffee and tea. <laughs> yeah. We may not have much but a cookie that goes along with it or a little ponzit for our Filipino brothers and sisters, whatever. But the mm. reality is we always, mm. always, every service, Yeah. Not as good as your coffee, I have to say, <laughs> or tea, but... Well, Valley does. Valley has. Oh, yeah, they, they do. Okay. So, but I'm talking about it. Our church is out there, and, and it is a universal connector. I mean, mm -hmm. to sit down, because part of culture is to say, uh, I love you, I care about you, by offering you something. Mm -hmm. Offering you a little food or offering you a drink of coffee or tea. Anybody comes to my house, I say, would you like something to drink? Would yeah. you like some coffee? Would you like some tea? What can I get you? Um, I want them to feel like they're welcome. That's hospitality. Mm. I know when I come in here in your shop, I look out there and there is, it's full right now. I mean, there's people all over out there that mm. are sitting, talking. We came in the other day with Isaac and and. There are all these pastors sitting over there. Every day that's like cool. that. Different pastors yeah. meeting. Uh, Bible studies going on. We're in this back room. You have different meetings that go on back here. Even community business meetings where organizations come in and want to meet here. 
So at Phoenix, where I live, same idea. Uh, we spend a lot of time meeting people at coffee shop. And every time I go, I see pastors and people with their Bibles and they're studying or they're discipling someone. In Kuwait, I would take people to a local coffee shop to disciple them. Mm. I mean, uh, we had that privilege there. We could do that. I'll open our Bibles right there uh, around a cup of coffee. So um, I do believe that uh, our society is impacted by the whole culture, and especially your specialty coffees. Yeah. Uh, these chains in out, but it's not home. It's just go get it and get out, people do. And they're not really concerned about what's in the cup so much, just to fix, I guess. But here, you're right, it's family. It's a place to come. Um, how have you been able to use your business? And I know this is true of you, but how have you used it to demonstrate the gospel in your community? Um, that's a big deal to you, mm -hmm. I know, but, and, and I want this to be general also for other businessmen, yeah. maybe not a coffee shop, but help them. How, how can they look at their business in a way to touch their community for Christ, not just sell them a product? You know, we have a mantra journey, it's people matter most. Um, and then followed by our values system, that is, we want people to feel welcome, valued, and loved. And, you know, for us, that really sums up Jesus, that we are welcome at the table, you know, and he's shown us his love. Right. And he's shown us that we're valuable despite what we've done or who we are right. or have become or uh, because uh, we see those things in the gospel, we try and live that out in just practical ways here at our store. And, uh, you know, we often are, are challenging our staff, like, what have you done to make people feel valued today? You know, value could just be, hey, I really like your, uh, your scarf. That looks beautiful. It's making people feel yeah. in a practical way that they yeah. have value and, and they feel welcome by giving them a high five and saying, hey, thanks, thanks for coming and uh, making feel, feel people loved is, is giving them the best product I can. Yeah. So it's not just doing the fluffy stuff that might make people feel good, but it's also doing the, the stuff in, that we do with excellence. So good. I can tell you that I love you and... And you know you have a beautiful. I love your bald head. It looks, <laughs> it looks so. So I just want to touch it. <laughs> yeah. you know, but but if I give you a bad cup of coffee, does yeah. that does that prove what I'm talking to you about? Right. It doesn't. Right. Because I I said all this stuff, which is easy to say. It's always right. easy to stay, say stuff exactly. on social media. But for us as a business, we're really wanting to also match those values with how we give our products out. And with the specialty coffee, again, it's it's. We're challenging ourselves every day to match up with the best of the best. And we're wanting to be on the same level as the best of the best, not out of a pride, but you know what? I love you. So I'm going to do everything I can with my product to give you the best possible product that I can do. Yeah. So both with our words and our actions. And then another big word we have is intentionality here at Journey. Um, intentionality is one of our other core values. Uh, and everything that we do has to be intentional. Um, and that's what's going to make uh, a big difference in people's lives. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, is even an intentional phrase. Yeah. And then the next part is, if you seem like something's wrong, my intentionality is, hey, you want to chat for a few minutes? Um, that's and, good. And the next part is being intentional with, hey, can I pray for you? Yeah. Um, so really being intentional here at Journey um, with everything we do um, to make people feel valued, welcomed, and loved 
because people matter. Oh boy, that's so important today. We have more people than ever before and they're more lonely than ever yep. before because we're so disconnected. Mm -hmm. We can live next door to people for years and never know their name. Yep. But uh, to reach out, connect with people, like you're saying, is so important. And you're right, people do matter. And that's, that's what, if we're gonna reach out to them, they need to feel like they do matter. They're not just a number coming in this door. You know, I wanna challenge other business owners as well. You know, for us, we have to do that to the same person every day. Yes. It, it makes it a, a little harder, kind of like when you're married to That's someone. True. Showing true love when you're married after 30 years is a lot harder. Yeah. So for, for businesses that have one encounter with person, yeah. like take that opportunity that you have with that person and really be intentional with that because it could change their life, even if it's That's a business good. transaction. Well, it's good. But don't take for granted these customers that, that you have. Uh, to be able to make a difference in their life. Yes. Now, this podcast is about leadership, and you have a pretty large staff. It's growing as you open more stores. How do you develop your leaders? So, um, you know, I come from a big sporting background. I taught tennis for 15 years and was a rugby captain and cricket captain back in South Africa for all my high school years. Um, I was not the best player on the field um, but I knew how to to utilize our players to be able to win to win the games and for the team that we have I know that some of the players we have are, are better than I am and I encourage my team to be able to 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 use their gifts in our team so when we number one for us hiring is is crucial to find people, we have three things. We look for a value, a value match, a skill match, and then um, a culture match. Mm -hmm. um, so when we hire people, we obviously their skill. What what are we looking for? Are we looking for someone who's going to be a barista, or do we need a social media person, or do we need someone who's just going to be loving on people? Yeah. We just hired a guy recently who has no skills in a coffee shop or any retail, um, but he has the biggest pastoral heart. I was like, that's the skill set we need right now, and so. Um, you know, knowing that our team is very diverse does take a lot of hard work. Yes. It's, it's harder to hire people that aren't like me because it reveals a lot of my weaknesses too. So developing that team is just constantly looking for are the players in the right place? Are they, are they doing the right thing? Am I encouraging them? As the captain of my teams, my biggest thing was go, let's go guys, let's do this. Um, and this year is really the first year that we've developed a leadership team. And we went from having two leaders to now nine in this year. Mm. So it's been an exciting year for us to start growing leaders and giving a lot more responsibilities away. Um, and developing them for me has just been a lot of one-on-one -on -one time. Um, I, can, I can do a lot of other things to help develop them, but a lot of the one-on-one -on -one time for me, kind of the discipleship model has, has been what's worked for us really well. Um, constantly giving them our values and why we do what we do um, helps them always filter the things through the lens for our culture and our team. So, yeah, it's a really exciting year for us. It's the first year we really have built a big team. And it's kind of scary because we are still technically a small business. So adding nine new leaders in one year is, is kind of a big step, and uh, they're doing a great job right now. Now, how often do you meet with the leaders? 
So our main directors, we, we meet once uh, a month for a director's meeting. And then our shift leads, who are also leaders, they meet every other week okay. as a separate team. Now, do you have a formal training for your, your workers, your employees and leaders? Do, is there a formal training? Do you have a manual? Uh, how do you do that? Yeah, we have. We actually been really blessed this year. One of our friends helped us out really polish these manuals and orientation uh, to really just look really great. Um, so when people come, they arrive, they have a beautiful polished package with our values. They come for an orientation, learn about our history, why we exist, our expectations, and their job descriptions as well. For our leadership team um, that are our directors, this is kind of a new role for right, us. Right. Those are not quite uh, ready for a manual because we're just working them out this right. year. But for right. all the, the Showtime staff who just come on, they have a, a really great manuscript to kind of look to see where to go, what to do, what's expected from them. Now, do you have, since you've been open now for how long? Uh, the store's been open four years, and we've been, uh, I've had a coffee truck for years, so five years total. So five years. Mm -hmm. So within that time frame, now you have different levels of leadership, right, mm -hmm. that's developed. And I'm assuming that you meet with a certain level, and then they meet with the down, yep. kind of the down line, mm -hmm. or whatever you'd call them, the next level. So it is really a, a, a mentoring model where you're building leaders who are building leaders, and... Yep. and uh, that's important. I, I, I think clarity, you know, clarity is really important in a, in church or in business. If we're not clear with our vision, our values, our strategy, uh, then they're not clear. Mm -hmm. So what do you do to communicate that regularly to everybody, uh, top, bottom, all the way down? How do you regularly communicate that? We have a, a great uh, platform that we have um, called Slack. So we do a lot of communication to our team through Slack um, on a daily basis. Uh, we have a, an, a quarterly staff, all staff meeting. Yeah. So generally those all staff meetings, we really uh, bring back a lot of our vision and focus mm -hmm. and how we're going to do it, how we have done with, with our vision and values, um, and then where we need to improve for the next uh, couple months. We, we do spend a lot of our director meeting measuring how we're doing with culture and how we're doing with those things. So our directors are reporting on a monthly basis uh, who needs help. Are one of our team members not living there? And then the whole director team says, hey, this is what we're going to do to help this person get to where we want to see them as a, uh, as a company employee. So a lot of those discussions ha happen around director tables and someone's appointed to help, whether it's an area or if it's a person that's needing some attention. Um, but the global communication really happens on our Slack um, or if it's a, ma a major problem, then one of our directors or myself will, will get involved with that. That's great. But yeah, the, the tier system that we have has really been a great uh, stepping stone for us to build that leadership team. You know, even when I was working uh, at the father's house, I was a part-time staff with 600 volunteers. Ooh. And when I first came on, I was like, man, how are we going to show these people that there's a vision? Yeah that they are valuable, I can't touch 600 people. No way. So we started developing that similar tier level where we had captains and then we had co-captains and then we had department leads and department co-leads. And that same format that I learned and developed there with the Lord, we've done here. So that that trickles down, that 
we need to let everybody know that, hey, you loved, you valued, and he has a purpose, and he has a vision, and that happens through our tier structure. Yeah. Sounds a little bit like Moses and Jethro, his father-in-law, helped him organize a little bit. Right? Yep, hallelujah. <laughs> how can a Christian businessman, and you kind of touched on this, but how can a Christian businessman really use their business to impact their community and their world for Christ? Not just to be selling products, but really make a difference. You know, if you look at the, the Bible, um, God had such specific missions and, and, and things that he had for certain people to do. Right. And I would just encourage you, if you have a business and you don't know what that mission is, that is going to be what you need to do. You need to say, God, what is my mission? If it's just to sell products, then, then you've missed it. You really have. Now, it might be tied into a mission, but there needs to be a God mission as well. Yeah. Um, so I, that's the, the key thing I would just say. You know, look, what is God calling you to do? Our mission is to make people feel valued, welcomed, and loved. And if someone walks out of these doors and we get a bad review, I'll let them know, hey, I'm sorry, we failed. And... We, we want to make you feel valuable, and I, I apologize. And wow. so, you know, we filter everything through that mission on how do we make people feel valued, welcome, and loved. You know, something just came to me. I didn't run this past you earlier, but how much does social media comments affect you? You know, review, like yeah, reviews are huge for us. I mean, especially Vacaville is a, is a big bypassing town. Yeah. Uh, and Fairfield as well. It's right just before people get to Napa. So for us, social media is, is a very important um, tool for people to find us because people are yelping all the time. Um, I know uh, I am proud to, to say that we've done pretty well with those Yelp reviews. But when someone does throw a bad review on there, it, it hurts. It hurts definitely hurts so that's interesting yeah. I've got a friend who has a pet business pet grooming and boy one review mm -hmm. that's bad can whack you I mean it's yeah. crazy what it does I mean if people start withdrawing their pets from the store and all this kind of stuff just because of one yeah. person and you can bend over backwards to try to straighten mm -hmm. that out but to get that reversed can be a challenge so you know and, and as a business owner as well if I'm focused purely on my mission um, of making people feel welcome value and love some people are just not going to perceive it exactly like that and you know the, the other day a guy wanted an extra piece of lemon and you know we charge for them because we don't use them and they organic and they a dollar and you know if I if I give things for free it means I can't help these farmers like I'm helping them that's right so I kind of have to choose as a business owner you know, is my mission to give these guys extra lemons all the time, or is my mission to really help these farmers more? Um, and that's a, that's the tough one sometimes. It's hard because you know this guy doesn't feel valued because uh, I didn't want to give him an extra lemon. And it sounds silly, but if you give fifty lemons away, it's fifty dollars. That's, that's right. You know, and everybody starts falling onto this trail of. So again, those those reviews uh, they used to uh, affect me emotionally a little more, <laughs> but again, I just constantly look at it through our vision did we really do our best in what we believe to to make that happen and you're just not going to please everybody so yeah. that's when i go father did i do what i was supposed to do and if he says yes then the yelp review can just keep going there you go yeah. there you go 
Well, here's the tough one. This is my last one for you on this interview. And I, I tell you, I want to get back with you again. I, I really appreciate your time again. But as a person who works with pastors and church leaders from the other side of the pulpit now, what leadership advice would you give to them? Man, that's a... That's a really valuable and I think a very relevant uh, question to ask in our culture today, especially. Yeah. Um, you know, I think even five years or ten years ago, um, people went to church a lot more often. People invited people to church a lot more. With just everything happening in our culture today, people just don't go to church like they used to anymore. So, the the businesses have such a relevance in our community that will never ever go to church. Um, I'm very blessed with Pastor Jeremy, who even just rocking up at our doorstep and buying coffee from us, for me is is more, and having meetings here and 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 buying coffee from us versus Starbucks or, or whatever. Um, so number one, I would say, you know, just supporting us is is huge, and yeah. it's such a blessing, and and it makes us feel valuable, makes us feel appreciated uh, when uh, the church is supporting us. Uh, the same. So that's a huge blessing. Uh, I think just with Pastor Jeremy as well, um, being able to have the cafe there um, is a way for us to be able to social media and tell people about the cafe at a church, which is really cool. Yes. Um, you know, we chatted briefly with Pastor Jeremy about, hey, you guys are doing mission work in Rwanda. We need to buy coffee in Rwanda. How do we, how do, we do this together? And just his heart to be willing to say, hey, I'd love to partner yeah. In, in a mission together. That's awesome. Um, and it's not always about what the church wants to do, but Jeremy has been very open, and what can we do to help you? Um, so just that open door from pastors to say, hey, what can we do to help? Uh, we've been really excited to even use our facility as a prayer meeting uh, for Valley, and, and for us to collaborate um, with that has been incredible. Yeah. So I think just that churches are willing to partner and do life and do community and do ministry together. Um, and it's meeting us halfway is, is amazing and, and very valuable. What do pastors and Christian leaders need to know about business people? If you were giving them one piece of advice... You know, I, I think for me, uh, the switch to becoming a full-time, you know, business owner and entrepreneur is very lonely. Yes. When you are used to being involved with ministry oh, at a church. Good word. And I've seen this at, at, at other churches that I've been to and other people have gone to that you kind of just feel isolated and you feel like, you almost feel guilty then at that point that oh man I'm I'm not serving and you know no one's my <laughs> friends now because I'm not serving anymore. Um, so I would just say for those business owners, you know, what what are you doing as a, a church to make them feel that they are still valuable? Mm. Um, you know, one of the churches that I had gone to before as well um, had told someone that hey if you're a business owner just tithe and that's you know that's great, just keep coming. Keep coming to church. Just tithe. Just tithe. And, that's, and that's the relationship we'll have. And to me, there's so much more for me as a business owner than to just tithe. Yes. You know, let's do church together like it was in Acts and share what we have to do ministry. And, yeah. 
And for us, we have coffee. How can I share this thing of coffee with the church? Mm. Not for me to be prosperous, mm. but to help the church advance the kingdom. Yeah. So really being able to say, God, this is what you've given me. How can, how can we do this together? Um, so the, the, the churches, um, I would just encourage you, just know that sometimes it's lonely as a business owner in the, in the sense of not feeling that I have a role at yes. a local church, yes. um, especially if you come from being very involved with um, ministry. Wow. Pastors are notorious at times for their good students. Some of them are very good students, maybe good communicator, mm. but not necessarily great leaders or financiers or business people. And so sometimes they don't relate well with the business community who are there to love, support. They love their church. Yeah. They want to be a part of their church. So how can pastors relate more effectively with the business leaders in their church and and really connect them better? That's, that's my heart. I mean, uh, why can't we... Co like you were saying, co-labor. How, how can we do that better as pastors rather than almost feeling intimidated? I think a lot of pastors feel intimidated by business people mm -hmm. because maybe they're struggling in their ministries and the business is successful or whatever, or this or that, whatever. I don't know. But we often feel intimidated by a business leader. But how can we relate better and more in a more effective way to you and all these business people yeah. that are coming into our churches. So I know this is very hard for bigger churches, and a lot of America has a lot of mega churches. Yes. Um, it's very important for those mega churches that there are pastoral care that can feel the sheep, know where the sheep are at, and and just have a pulse on that. And I think yes. a lot of mega churches have a great production, have great, but there's not a lot of pastoral people walking around the, the, the sheep to go, hey, this sheep needs some help. Mm. And that seems like a lot of work, and it is. It is. But that's what Jesus called us to do. He called us to make disciples. Making disciples is making sure the sheep are healthy. Yeah. So this collaboration that I've had with Jeremy has come from us sitting and having coffee. Yeah. And us sitting and talking, and him hearing my heart, mm. and me hearing his heart. Mm. So I, I think the way that those can collide is, and I'm not saying it's the lead pastors who are gonna have to connect with all the business owners, right? but there needs to be an intentionality to hear the hearts of the sheep Good. in some way. And again, it's hard, it's hard. It's a busy world now. Everybody's, yeah. Yeah. you know, doesn't have time. Um, but I, I've seen in my life again, the guy who discipled with me, discipled me as a youth, he, he took the time yes. and he listened and, he, and he, he heard my heart. He heard my struggles and he encouraged me in a lot of the things that I needed to do. And I think that, again, it's a lot of work, but I just do think that's the biblical model is discipleship. And that means hearing what's going on in someone's life and in your business. Yeah. And how can I help your business? And then for me to be able to tell him, hey, how can I help you as a church? How can I serve you yes, as a business owner? Because yeah, yeah. sometimes as business owners, I do think it's the easiest thing to just write a check and say, cool. I, you know, and sometimes that's what God calls you to do as a business owner is just to be tithing mm -hmm. because there's a lot of other stuff 
that God's calling you as your mission at, at your at your business. But yeah. you know, it's just a blessing for me to be able to partner my business with my pastor in our church. It's incredible. It's it's totally honoring and such an amazing uh, opportunity to build church, not just on a Sunday, but every day of my life. Oh wow. Ornay, would you close in prayer and pray for our leaders, our pastors out there, business people who will hear this, mm-hmm. that uh, as a church, we can unite God's people, we can join together, serve together, be effective mm-hmm. together, and uh, not maybe sometimes be so isolated. Sometimes we isolate over uh, race or language or whatever, but sometimes we isolate over our, our professions. Yeah. And, and God wants to bring that together mm. and not uh, and use them together in a powerful way. So mm. would you pray for our, yeah. all of our leaders? I'd love to. Father, I just thank you. Thank you for your church. Uh, thank you for the work that you're doing in your church um, through pastors and through business owners. Thank you, God, that this is all your church, whether it's a Sunday meeting or a regular workday during the week. And uh, God, I thank you. Uh, that you have a purpose for every one of our lives. And I thank you, God, that, that each one of those purposes are slightly different. Uh, each of us have a different role and a different position to play in building and growing a church. Uh, Lord, help us to be intentional to hear your voice in our mission and what you're calling us to do. Let us not as business owners try and be a pastor and serve and preach if that's not what you're calling us to do. That's right. Allow us to, to step into the, the footsteps and the path that you have for us in our lives and the mission you've called us to. God, I thank you uh, for all the work that you're doing in so many businesses in our world and mm-hmm. in our communities. God, I pray a blessing over all these business owners. God, I know it is hard. It is not always easy. Uh, there's always sacrifice. There's always tears. And there's always just there's a lot going on and a lot of time commitments and a lot of a uh, lot going on as business owners but god I, I thank you for every one of those business owners that you have called into this world to be image bearers of christ and god i pray if they are listening right now that god that they would be just reminded of that huge task yes, as a business owner is not to sell a product but it's to be the image of jesus in this world so, God, I thank you for those business owners. And, God, I thank you for all the pastors. Uh, just earlier we were talking about how Jesus went to the temple to teach and to, to help grow and, and learn. God, us as business owners, we need the temple. We need the church to be able to grow and learn and hear your word. And, God, I thank you for those pastors who are teaching your word and teaching your truth and, and teaching the true gospel of Jesus Christ. God, I pray a blessing on them. And God, I just pray for supernatural moments between business owners and pastors that you would help them to be able to find moments to just connect and strategize to make a difference in their communities and in their world. God, I thank you so much for this time we got to spend and hang out here and pray a blessing on Tim and his ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How can they find out more about your business and you on the web? Cool. Just go on to uh, www.journeycoffeeco.com. We'd love you guys to stop by there. Come check us out. You read a little more about my family and, and see what's going on. How about Facebook? Facebook and Instagram. Instagram is a great one to follow us. You can kind of see all the stories going on every day. And uh, you can see some of the farmers that we're buying from as well. It's a pretty cool opportunity. Uh-huh. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Leadership Stuff. Don't forget to visit our website at www.lcminetwork.com. This is the best way for you to avail yourself of the different resources that are available to you. Now, before I end this particular episode, I just have to tell you about something that I am extremely excited about. We have joined into a partnership with my favorite coffee roaster, Mr. Mornay Van Staden and Journey Coffee. Mornay and I have decided to partner together to plant more churches. And here's how it will work. We will make their coffee available to you on our LCMI website. And for every purchase that is made from our site, Journey will donate a portion of the sale to LCMI Church Planting. Think about that a moment. This is really a double blessing. First, you get a great cup of coffee that you can enjoy as you listen to leadership stuff. And secondly, you will be partnering with us to raise more funds for missions. This is a win-win situation. Mornay and I are truly excited about the possibilities of this special relationship And we believe that it will be a great opportunity for us to further advance God's kingdom. So go right now to lcminetwork.com, click on the resource page, and purchase your first bag of coffee from Journey Coffee. Together, we can do more. Well, this is Tim Daly. I love you, and I look forward to our next time here on Leadership Stuff.